Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 Therefore laying aside falsehood Speak truth each one of you with his neighbor For we are members of one another For his name's sake Prescribe truth We're giving you what the doctor ordered Jamal Bandy Apologist The Lord's servant We undeserve it But Christ changed our mind frame In a world full of errors The only thing the doctor prescribes is truth Welcome back, everybody, to the Prescribed Truth Podcast. I'm Jamal Banny, the one who seeks to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today, also a part of the Christian podcast community. I want to thank you so much for everybody who supports this ministry and, and on Patreon and on Facebook, on my Facebook page and the subscribers and everything else. I just really do thank everyone for your support, um, the encouragements I receive from brothers and sisters alike. Um, and continuing this work, I really am appreciative of you guys. If you want to contact me, you can do so by emailing me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com, or you can call me at 801-980-6333. I, I had a good conversation with a brother who had called me on the number um, earlier this week, and I was just so thankful for his uh, call uh, of encouragement. And um, we talked about the Lord. We talked about um, discipling our children. We we just talked about different topics and things that I've discussed on my channel and things that he does on his channel. I was really greatly appreciated that. And, um, and I just, you know, so I just encourage you to, you know, give me a call if you want to, if you, if you like to chop it up or you have questions about um, what I may talk about on the show or anything like that is um, I really do appreciate it. Or you can text or whatever. Just greatly appreciate that. If you want to support this ministry financially, you could do so by joining me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash prescribed truth for only a dollar or more a month. You can support this stream as it goes forward, the um, podcast, as it goes to different apps and everything else. I just, you know, it really supports that. It supports the um, website and it's staying up and everything else. So I'm really thankful that right now, thanks to my patrons, this stream is being sponsored by patrons. Thank you so much. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for you guys. I'm always appreciative for you guys. And um and you too can join in that as well if you like to. And I'm trying to build a community around that. So I'm, I'm very touchable here. We can um not it's not just that you give and or pledge and then that's it. I don't know where to be found. Like I do communicate with my patrons and I try to stay up to date with them and everything else. And so so yeah, I really encourage you to do so if you would like to. And if not, as always, I do appreciate your prayers. On um, today's episode, I want to be following up on the story concerning Benny Hinn and his confession of being wrong with the prosperity gospel. Uh, if you are, have been following this at all right, uh, lately, he, uh, well, it, it started off as a YouTube video that was circling around um, from somebody else's page. It wasn't even his ministry's page, but it was circling around. It was just a snippet, probably about uh, two minutes or so or four minutes. And basically him refuting or saying he's against the prosperity gospel, that he's that the gospel is not for sale. Christ isn't for sale. God's blessings isn't for sale and so on and so forth. And he just he was going on about that. And um, and to a lot of people, even to myself in the beginning, I was encouraged. It seemed as if Benny Hinn had turned a new leaf as if he's no longer preaching a false doctrine anymore. Like he's seeing that he's seeing the light. And if you follow this channel from the beginning, I've done an episode, I think it's one of my earlier episodes of the Prescribed True Podcast, where um, Benny Hanna had an interview, and I forgot where he had an interview um, at, but he was uh, talking about then how he was starting to see how it was wrong, how 
people ask for money from the people and, you know, and promising these things that they can't uh, fulfill and everything else. And, you know, and I thought that was him seeing the light then. But as ministry continues, he still kept preaching the same thing, doing the same thing. And so here we are again a couple years later and he's refuting it. And so this time he's doing it in front of his congregation. And so you would assume that, oh, man, he means business. He means business. And what got me was that he was like, he's no longer going to be telling people to give a thousand dollars to receive God's blessings. But then he says, or any amount, not just a thousand dollars, but any amount, because God's blessings aren't for sale. Right. And you'll want to believe him. He sounded so genuine, everything else. And it was interesting that later on that week, Wednesday evening, so to speak, uh, he uh, has a video on his Facebook page that was a live stream, and at the end, every of it basically has a sermon that he would play. And at the end, he would have like a uh, a part where he would like take donations, or ask for donations, um, prophesy to people, you know, and say, "Hey, you know, the Lord is telling me this. You can give this and give it to the the address on the screen on the screen or whatever case may be." And he was asking for one hundred and twenty dollars and saying that, hey, the number is one hundred and twenty. Lord is telling me that everybody should give one hundred and twenty dollars. And it was like I just saw a video with you saying you don't do that no more. And here this video comes out or this live stream comes out. Now, Benny Hinn gives an explanation of this on his Facebook page. And he says that these are pre-recorded sessions. You know, they're pre-recorded. And, you know, he has a team that's working on these things. And so, you know, they basically go, they go through them. They cycle them, they cycle through them and everything else. But then the person who manages his Facebook page comments and then says, and I'm paraphrasing, but then says, hey, we cycle through these things. And these are based on requests from people who are fans of Benny Hens, who are uh, people who listen to him and follow him. And they request sermons and therefore we keep them in circulation and stuff like that. And my thing is this. With Benny Hinn is like, okay, if you just came on your in front of your congregation Monday evening or Monday morning, whenever it is you had the service, and says, Hey, I don't, I'm not doing this anymore. This is damaging to the to the cross. The Holy Spirit is grieved at this teaching, then why would you allow your team of people to continue to keep circulating these messages that grieve the Holy Spirit? Why would you do that? Why would you allow that to happen? I mean, I can see if Monday's message slipped by, maybe even Tuesday's message slipped by, but Wednesday's? I mean, why? How could that be? And if your team who is following you, who are who are doing these things for you, that you're paying to do these things, if they heard the message on Monday, then why didn't they take the stand and go ahead and take those things off? That's being responsible. If you don't want to be misunderstood as being fake, and that's how it's being taken, is that he doesn't mean what he's saying. And there's been people who saying, well, Penny Hen hasn't been truly repentant of these things at all. Like, he hasn't been truly repentant. Even on that Monday sermon, he didn't repent of his prosperity teaching. He didn't truly repent. He's not truly making restitution for the harmful prophecies that he's made that were false and any of those things and or giving back the money to people who gave because of false prophecies and everything else. Like he's not making restitution. He's not showing the fruit of true repentance. You know, he's just saying, hey, I'm not doing this any anymore. I'm not doing this again. You know, and so there's a lot of issues here that are, there's been a lot of feedback concerning these things and a lot of talk concerning the whatever case may be. But Benny Hinn had encouraged us to listen to his interview with Stephen Strain. 
And so like one of my uh, viewers had sent me a video, sent me the video that has the interview with Benny Hinn, um, with Stephen Strange from the charisma, from charisma magazine. And I wanted to review it, respond to it with you guys. Now, this is fairly fresh to me. I did listen through it once um, before I came on and did the uh, podcast. And so I want to listen to it again with you guys and give my thoughts as we walk through it. Uh, So um, I don't want to be as long. The the actual audio is about 20 minutes long. And so I'm going to try my best not to stop and start a whole lot. Um, There's nothing more that can be said about Benny Hinn that hasn't already been said that will require me to keep stopping all the way through this. And most people, even those who are in charismatic circles, most of them agree that Benny Hinn is a false teacher and everything else. And so, you know, this won't be nothing new that I feel like I have to say anything new that you don't already know. All right. Um, but yes, and so and let's be clear, I still consider Benny Hinn to be a false teacher, even if he does recant on his prosperity gospel. There are other things, other doctrines that Benny Hinn teaches that are false and detrimental to the cross. It's not just his prosperity teaching. It's not. Um, it's his beliefs about Jesus. It's, a, it's his belief about the gospel, how a person comes to salvation in the first place, um, how the Holy Spirit functions and everything else is detrimental to the truth of the gospel and how we should interact with one, one another uh, with um, evangelism or dealing with believers and strengthening each other up and all these things. There are a lot of things concerning his ministry that is false. Uh, one thing I pointed out in the video was that the video I did was that um, Benny Hinn had taught in one of his sermons that the Lord's Supper. Now, this had nothing to do with prosperity. This had this has something to do with salvation. He mentioned how the Lord's Supper is the gateway to salvation, is the gateway to heaven. Like you can be an unbeliever and you can be somebody who practices Hinduism or whatever the case may be. But if you take the Lord's Supper, if you participate in the Lord's Supper, you are at the you are at the gate and you are going through the door that gets you to heaven through the Lord's Supper. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. And that sows false hope to people who take the Lord's Supper, who participate in it. Matter of fact, it actually brings harm to the person who takes it because the Bible is clear that we need to consider, we we should be considering the truth of the gospel in our own hearts before we even take the Lord's Supper or we can bring sickness upon ourselves. And this is to believers. That's to believers who take it. That we need to consider our hearts and 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 really really uh, 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 gauge our hearts and really see what's going on, you know. But you're talking about unbelievers now, and it's even more dangerous. And so, uh, it, it's more than just prosperity gospel. So don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that Benny Hinn is seeing like he's turning over a new leaf because of his prosperity teaching. Because even if it is so that he's not seeing the prosperity gospel as he used to, this doesn't mean that he's in saving faith with Christ. It doesn't mean that he's in good standing with God. We got to be clear about that. All right, because we believe in the truth of Scripture. All right, so with that being said, let's go ahead and and start reviewing this. I kind of went a little long on my intro, so I hope you guys will forgive me with that. But um, without further ado, let's jump into this um this interview. Everyone, and thank you for tuning into my podcast. I am so pleased to have Benny Hinn. I don't think he's ever been on my podcast before. I was on his television program a couple of times over the years, and I've known Benny going back. You won't believe this, back to the 1970s before he was married. So we go way, way back. And thank you, Benny, for being on my podcast, especially this week when there's so much going around social media about what you had to say about prosperity gospel. Well, thank you, Steve, and I'm very happy to be your friend. Well, you're very nice. 
you and I have had discussions about the prosperity gospel before, and we even did an article in Charisma Magazine a year ago. It quoted a number of leaders, but you were kind of the primary one trying to kind of set the record straight. And, you know, there are some people either in the secular world or even in the Christian world who just say prosperity gospel is wrong. But actually, there is a biblical basis for prosperity gospel. So why don't we start there? Oral Roberts would have taught this. But then, unfortunately, there have been a lot of abuses. So we'll talk about that next. So he he separates the abuses from Oral Roberts. But Oral Roberts is like the pinnacle of false teaching in the charismatic circles and prosperity teaching. I mean, he's the like the top one of the top dogs. Matter of fact, um, if you were, if you listen to the video I did um, of uh, uh, the Netflix special that came out, I can't think of the guy's name anymore. Um, but anyway, it was a Netflix special that came out with a guy who was basically a part of a Kojic, a Church of God of Christ, but then went into Universalism. But Oral Roberts was one of like his mentors, you know. And I wish I could think of the guy's name on top of my head now. I, I uh, you know, I can't remember right now, and I apologize for that. But anyway, Oral Roberts was one of his mentors, and Oral Roberts is like one of the people who are who is very influential in the prosperity gospel community. You know, um, especially in the in the and especially also with the charismatic circles and stuff like that, with the speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, Oral Roberts taught a version of prosperity gospel that's supposed to be biblical. Yeah, not no, not at all, not at all. And but then he says that people who have been abusing these abusing these concepts. No, Oral Roberts abused it. He abused it too. And so the fact that they still that they're giving praise or not giving praise, but giving acceptance or an acknowledgement of good from Oral Roberts when it comes to his teaching on the prosperity message, it shows also a warning sign, a red flag as well, that, you know, there is no true repentance from Benny Hinn concerning the prosperity gospel message. It's just that he's trying to distinguish himself from others who may go a little bit further than him now or that he used to do. And so let's, let's continue. Well, let me first start by saying that the change in my own heart and life to do with that has really nothing to do with anything that my critics have said about me. It has to do with my own heart before the Lord. The last two years, Steve, I've become very close to the Lord for one reason, because I want to please Him more than ever in my life, to be honest with you. I want to end well. When I go to glory, I want to smile. And I have told Him so many times, I told dear Jesus, I have grieved you enough. I've disappointed you enough in my past life. I do not want that for me today or tomorrow. So the prosperity issue is not really the main thing on my list. It's on the list, but it's not the main one. I just simply want to obey the Lord in everything he says, not just that. And so as I have been in my Bible way more than most people realize, I mean, truly I've almost shut the world out, and I'm in the Word day and night, and I mean day and night, including now reading my Hebrew Bible in Hebrew, because I want to know the Lord's mind so when he's saying these things, I'm like, okay, if, he's, if you're reading your Bible all this time, you day and night, every day, even the Hebrew Bible, then it's like you should have a grasp on that gospel. But anybody will tell you, man, that when the things concerning God are spiritually discerned, they are. They're spiritually discerned. You can, as if you can, as you can see, if he's honest about, if he's really being honest about how often he reads his Bible, and it, it's like you could you. You cannot have read the Bible and don't know the gospel and believe that what you're teaching, even at the basic level of your prosperity teaching, is biblical, you know. But it's like you read all this, you're doing all this reading, but 
it still amounts to nothing concerning the gospel. You know, and that just goes to show, man, like you, you can read all day long. You can have an in, an intellectual assent concerning the scriptures. But if the spirit is not guiding you, you don't know what you're reading. It's just like the, the Ethiopian eunuch who was reading and, Phil, and Philip came alongside him. He says, well, how can I understand this if no one guides me, no one shows me? You know, it's like I, I, I feel for being here and here. It's like he doesn't understand the scriptures. He doesn't know the scriptures. He says he wants to know the Lord. He wants to go close to the Lord. But, man, he's not he's not getting it. The prosperity message began to bother me probably about two years ago. I just wasn't free to talk about it. I wasn't free because I did not want to hurt my friends or people. And what began to bother me is where is Jesus in the message? Where is the Lord in all this? Where is the gospel in, in all this? And I began to notice that most of the people that ministered the message were not focusing on the gospel. They were not focusing on loving the Lord Jesus. This is why we preach. This is why we minister. It's our love for the Lord that comes across with whatever we say. And Steve, you've known me a long time. When I began, I began for one reason, because I adored my master. Then for a period in my life when the minister was growing, I became distracted. Quite simple. My love never changed. I just became distracted, and I don't want to get into that. Today, I'm 67 years old. I'm thinking about how am I going to finish, and what will I leave behind for the next generation? How will they view me? I want them to view me as one who preaches the cross. I do not want to be known for prosperity. I want to be known for someone who preached the cross of Jesus, salvation, one who teaches on the Holy Spirit, one who teaches on the anointing and the power of God, one who focuses on that. Now, as he's saying these things, uh, this can, this sounds encouraging, right? It sounds encouraging. He wants to be known for one who preaches on the cross, who preaches on Jesus, who preaches on the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the anointing. Even though when he mentions the power of God and the anointing, and then he mentions that in line with the Holy Spirit, red flags go up automatically with me especially concerning my background and everything else is like what do you mean by the anointing what do you mean by the power of god what do you what about the holy spirit because like i said um mentioning this last sermon he did dealing with the lord's supper he was talking about the holy spirit and and all these things jesus he mentioned about he was talking about jesus he was talking about the power of god he was talking about salvation he, you know he mentioned the cross but all of it was heretical it was all done around the, whole, the Lord's Supper, you know, and so they had nothing to do about prosperity. In that moment, he wasn't talking about people giving money and any, and any of that stuff. He was talking about the cross. He was talking about Jesus. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He was talking about the power of God. He talked about salvation, yet it wasn't biblical. It was still heretical, you know, and so this sounds good. Like, this sounds good. Like, if, you, if you heard this without knowing any context of what he's been teaching since or any of that kind of stuff, it sounds encouraging. It sounds encouraging and you want to believe it, you know, but it's just not the case, you know, is, you know, you, and I'm hoping that this is a start. I'm hoping that as time goes on, I pray the Lord do deal with him. I pray the Lord do show him his error, that he would rep truly repent of his false teachings, of his false beliefs and truly, truly trust in the Lord Jesus. Because right now, as he's saying, it's like, he's, he's like, Hey, I want to change because I don't, I, I'm going to think about how I'm going to finish. How I'm going to finish, you know, so I need to, I need to change what I do. I need to do things differently. Like you don't hear the trusting of Christ in this. You hear him depending on himself and he's not trusting Christ, you know, and you may not catch that. It may be something that you may not, you know, be listening for or may say, Jamal, you just being nitpicky, but that's, I mean, I'm just going by what he's saying. 
and I'm and I'm reading between the lines and trying to handle and trying to deal with this fairly as I can. So I, you know, I hope you see that. But um, let's continue. Not on money, not on prosperity. That's not my call. It's never been my call. Yeah, I'll say people have used me to raise money for their ministries. You know, I was a pastor for many years and evangelist for longer than that. But now my heart is changing. In fact, it's, it not only is it changing, it, it has changed totally in many ways about many things. So number one, I don't want anyone to think or believe that I am changing because of my critics. It has nothing to do with anyone, period, including my nephew, including anyone else out there who may think that they brought the change in me. No, 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 that's, that's, that's not true. It's my relationship to the Lord and only that, nothing more, nothing less. All right, so he says that, hey, his critics did not bring about this. So it wasn't because of his nephew, Kosti Hen, who's been exposing his ministry and, you know, and, and calling him to repentance and all these things. So it had nothing to do with his nephew, had nothing to do with anybody else who's been criticizing his ministry for the many years they've had, or the case may be. It's truly a work of the Lord in his heart. That's what he's saying here. And he's, and also the fact he said there's many other things that his that his heart has changed on. And so maybe what I mentioned concerning the Lord's Supper and all those things, maybe that's one of those many things. And only time will tell with that. Only the continue to follow his ministry and see where it goes is the only way we'll we'll see from that. Or maybe if he steps down, you know, which I doubt he's gonna step down from teaching. But it, you know, I think time will tell if any of those things are part of the many things that are changing concerning his heart. I'm hoping that's the case. You know, I don't hope the worst for him. I do hope the best. I, I hope that's the case. I'm just not convinced from what this interview portrays or what this interview gives us. And so let's continue. Number two, it's about the Lord. We must bring the message back, bring the balance back. So in my meetings, when I would watch people, and I usually had other people raise the funds in the morning, and this has happened in the past. I'm not talking about recent. Recent, I, I haven't even allowed it. But in the past, when they would ask people to give a thousand or whatever amounts, Steve, 80% of the people who came down, they did not even give it. They just came down. I don't know why they came down, but they came down. And what they were saying to them was not biblical. I did not have at that time the boldness and the courage to say, look, stop that. Today, I'm sorry, I cannot allow that. Nor will I ever allow that. Nor will I myself do it, period. Even though I did in the past. And so here's the distinction. You think about these people that he supported in these ministries. What was what stood out to him as being something that was unbiblical was dealing with how people dealt with the giving of money. So this is important because we're not he's not saying that, hey, the messages that was preached that led up to this. He's not saying that that was unbiblical. He's not saying that they taught a heretical message or any of that. He's saying that just this portion, he's bringing this out as as a specific. He said, hey, this is what I can't deal with no more. This is what I can't take no more is that people came down for trying to sell money, but not everybody came with any money, but they still came down. And the preachers or the minister's response to them was unbiblical. And what they were saying to them was unbiblical for those who came down with money or didn't come down, whatever case may be. It was unbiblical, you know, and he says, I can't do it no more. I can't deal with that no more, even though I've done it in the past. And so I just want us to point out, I want us to see the what the specifics is that he's actually dealing with and what we should be listening for and what we're not hearing as to why people aren't buying into what he's saying. And so let's continue from there. Because it's manipulation. It's gimmickry to tell someone you give a thousand, you got to get a hundredfold. What if they don't get a get hundredfold? And most do not. What happens to their walk with the Lord and their faith? Think about that. The damage, the questions. 
I do not want to be accused of, well, Benny told me to give a thousand, it didn't happen. No, never, never again. Well, Benny, I think you're putting your finger on the problem. There have been excesses and there have been people that have used it because they found it's worked, which puts a responsibility on individual Christians too, that they would respond to that thing. I'll tell you my personal opinion is that often we release our faith when we do something, but when you give $1,000, the only person to prosper is the one taking up the offering. Exactly. And if, but, if it's so true, why doesn't the person taking the offering give money the other way? You know, I mean, it's just... But, 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 but you know, Steve, I'd like to say one thing that needs to be said clearly. I believe the Bible from beginning to end. I cannot take the fact that God wants to bless his people. It's in the Bible, Old and New Testament. But the Lord we love has made it very clear to us that he will meet our needs wherever we live. He'll take care of us. None lacked among them in the book of Acts, but later we see famine coming and an offering being raised for the church in Jerusalem that Paul talks about in Second Corinthians 8 and 9. But today, the thing that I have to make clear is, number one, I believe the Bible. I believe God wants to bless his people. I believe that he wants us to succeed in life. Absolutely. But the focus must be him the gospel, not our greed, not what we want back for it, not I'm giving so I can get it back for a hundredfold, all that stuff. And the Lord's going to prosper. And, and that's why I am concerned. Like when I hear this, this is why I'm concerned that I don't know if, if Benny Hinn understands what the gospel is. Because he says, uh, he said all these things about what the Lord wants and what the Lord's focus is for us. And not one time do you hear him mention how the Lord wants us to be saved from our sins. The Lord wants us to turn from our sins and trust in him or just the Lord wants us to trust in Jesus or any of that. But the Lord wants us to succeed in life and the, the Lord wants to bless us. But bless us how? Bless us how? Succeed in life how? What do you mean? What does that mean? Because what do you do with the poor person who's trusted in Christ yet doesn't have a job, doesn't have a house, doesn't have anything? Is he succeeding in life? And is he not? If God does God look on him and say, well, I want him to succeed in life, but he's not. Is he looking on him saying, I want to bless him, but he's not like, you know, like I think about all of that. The one who's sick, you know, uh, bedridden and everything else. Are they not blessed? Blessed how then, you know, are they not succeeding in life? You see what I'm saying? This raises the questions. And so this is why we have to be clear what the gospel is and what God is really focused on in the Bible. Is God really focused on us having the nice house, the cars and everything else or having just a, a succeeding life? Is that what really is that really what God is focused on? Do we see that through the message of the, of the scriptures? Is it that God is really focused on our, us being blessed when it comes to just how we live? From what I understand, from my understanding of scripture is that blessedness is in Christ. Like you're not, I don't care what you have. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what kind of possessions you have. If you're not in Christ, you're not blessed, period, period, you know? And so those things need to be drawn out. And um, it's just unfortunate it wasn't brought out here. For believers, regardless of if they tune into that TV show where they're asking for the gift or if they go to the conference, exactly, you know, and never hear the peel, God is it's not like, well, I'm not going to prosper you because, you know, you didn't give that thousand bucks. So I'm glad that you're speaking out because you're very influential. And, of course, people pay attention. So, of course, now, to be fair, I'm going to say I'm say one good thing about this. I, I, I do agree um, that God will. You know, like look out for people. He will take care of your needs and all those things, regardless if you, you know, have given a thousand dollars or a preacher and everything else like that, because God is sovereign. 
He's sovereign and he reigns on the just as well as the unjust. And so it's like, just because you may not have gave a thousand dollars doesn't mean that the Lord won't su supply your needs, you know, but it's all about trusting him. It's all about looking to him, you know, and, and I believe that Lord will take care of us. He will meet our needs, you know, whatever those needs are. And ultimately our biggest need upon, upon anything else in life is that we have our sins forgiven. That's it. That's our biggest need outside of food, drink, clothing, housing, anything. Our biggest need as human beings, as wretched, rebellious sinners, is that our sins are forgiven. That's what scripture says. Blessed is he whose sins are forgiven. You know, and so that's that's the main thing. So I do agree and I do like the fact that he brought up is that, hey, you don't have you know, God, uh, God is still bless you even if you don't give or don't give, you know, stuff like that. Because the Bible tells that we should give cheerfully, that we should give according to what we purpose in our own hearts. So it's good for believers to give. It's good for people to give to their local churches and stuff like that and be cheerful in giving and be willing to give and be um, uh, gracious in giving. But we should not be giving in hopes of getting something back in return from God in that sense. Like we shouldn't be giving just so we can get blessing, just so we can get healing and all those things. We should give because we want to serve the Lord and worship him in our finances in that way. That's what we should want to do. This is not brand new, as I mentioned earlier, the article in Charisma. But a few days ago, uh, you were teaching out in California, and I guess your ministry must put it on Facebook Live or something like that. That's correct. And yeah. thousands of people saw it, and then started. everybody started sending links. I had three people send it to me, which is pretty unusual. I don't have people send me links that much. And, of course, I had already talked to you privately about some of these issues. So why don't you just tell me real briefly what it was that you shared specifically on Monday of this week and when I write about this, we'll put a link for people if they want to see it. It's only a couple of minutes long. And then I'd be interested in the response that you've gotten as well. Well, what I said Monday was the fact that we need to turn our attention back on loving the Lord. Do we give because we love him? Do we give because we love his gospel? Do we give because he has changed our lives through his word and we want to see other lives transformed? But like I said, this has been going on for a long time in my own heart. And I felt Monday was the time to make it public. Plain and simple. In addition, Steve, in addition, a lot of young leaders are looking up to me now as a spiritual father. Many of them show up on Monday nights. Many very powerful ministers of the gospel. These are younger, you know, the next generation of leaders. Many I've met with, some in my own home, some privately in other locations. And the subject came up. You know, we thank you for what you wrote in Good Morning Holy Spirit. We've been blessed by your ministry, such and such. But they all had a question to me. What is it you believe about prosperity? And when I told them one-on-one, -on -one, they were shocked. They said, well, you know, why don't you ever make this public? Well, I didn't feel it was time. But I don't want the next generation to believe something that I myself no longer believe. And frankly, this morning, Michael, my son-in-law, called me, and he's had a number of calls from different people. And we talked about this. So I've had the chance to minister and stand with many young leaders as of late, even in the sand, Jesus' image, my own son-in-law, many of his people that he's with, we've talked about that. And they all feel the same, because for the sake of the next generation and the legacy of the gospel, I'm glad to be making these statements. I have to, because I want to make sure that the future generations hear the heart of this message that has been, I think, taken to the extreme by some people. It's, it's Jesus. It's loving Jesus. It's the gospel. It's loving the lost. That's why we give. And he will bless us back way more than we can ever imagine. I will tell you one thing that happened months and months ago that 
that's when things began to really, when, when I said, okay, i got to do something about this. A guest speaker was there. He asked people to come down to give a thousand. One man was a businessman. I don't know his name. He gave a large check, and he looks at me in my face. He says, I will see if this will work. If it doesn't work, then I know this is all, and he kind of used the word I don't want to repeat. Right to my face, he said that in a meeting. And I'm thinking, this is what people are thinking up there. We have to bring it back to the Bible. And the Bible I read today with new eyes. I see believers in the scriptures, like the church in Macedonia, who were deep in poverty. Paul says so. And yet gave out of their love for the Lord. But I see the church in Corinth, who were more prosperous or more blessed because of the location they lived in, I suppose, or what was going on in their own country. But Paul encouraged them all to give, the Macedonians and those in Corinth. And so the word of God is very clear. And in 2 Corinthians 9.13, he hits the heart of it. He says, this demonstrates your submission to the gospel. That's it. Simple. Y'all, y'all, do you check, do you hear that? I want to know, do you, did you catch that? It was very subtle, but I hope you caught it. So he went through and said how it should be, this, this message, this preaching should be about loving Jesus, loving the gospel, and everything else, though he doesn't say what the gospel is. And he doesn't, once again, he doesn't mention sin or any of those things. But when concerning giving, he says, hey, this was, there was a person who was finna sow a $1,000, and he told Benny Hinn to his face that I'm just going to see if this works. I'm just going to see if this works. I'm going to see if you fake, if you phony. So I'm going to give this $1,000, and I'm going to see if I'm going to get it back like this preacher said I am. And if I don't get it, then he said some words that Benny Hinn said I cannot repeat. So I can only imagine what those words were. But... Then he says, well, hey, we need to take it back to the Bible. Like, we, don't need, we need to stay away from these false prophecies and all that stuff like that. I'm not, he's not saying I'm paraphrasing him or I'm just kind of reading into what he's saying. He's saying, hey, we need to get away from all this stuff and just bring it back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about our giving? And so he then names from Scripture that shows how there were some people who gave even though they were poor. They were poor and poverty stricken, but they gave out of their love for the Lord. And then you saw others who gave when they had money, they had wealth, and they, they Paul told them to they still to still give, and everything else. And but then he says this, that the giving he and I'm, he doesn't say giving. He said, but it's clear in scripture. He said it's clear in scripture that this demonstrates your submission to God. You're giving now to to a degree. To a degree, I, I I can get with that a little bit, right? Because like as Christians, as believers, we should want to give, right? But it's supposed to be according to what we purpose in our heart, not by, not by uh, someone like telling you a compulsion. That's what I'm looking for. Not by compulsion. It shouldn't be by compulsion. All right. It shouldn't be whereas you're being you're being told, hey, this is your obedience. That's why you need to do it, because then you won't be giving out of your heart and you won't be given cheerfully. You'll be given because you think this you thinking this gains you something with God like this, like this right here. Hey, this right here gains gets me something with the Lord. This is not just because I love the Lord and I just want to serve his church or serve his people. I just. I want this to be a matter of my obedience. And it says that that's what I'm going to get from it. It's out of compulsion, you know, and so it's not free for, it's not freely given at that point, you know, saying like, once again, I, like, well, let me say this again for anyone who may mistake what I'm saying. I believe it's important for believers to give 
the important, but the thing we have to keep in mind or the thing we need to keep in mind is that our giving should be out of our hearts. It should be out of our hearts. You should not be stingy, right? So you shouldn't say, well, shoot, they ain't getting this from me. Like, it shouldn't be like that. You should have that kind of heart when it comes to serving the Lord with your finances. But at the same time, it shouldn't be, well, I'm going to give this because I just want, I want the Lord to be happy. I want the Lord to give me this. I want the Lord to bless me with this. I want to be blessed according with the scripture, A, B, and C, because of how much I give. Because God doesn't promise us that with that. He does say those who give sparingly will reap sparingly. Those who give bountifully will reap bountifully. But it's not always that we get it back in money, you know. And so that's that's the thing. It's, it's like we need to be clear about those things. And I know this is just an interview. Um, you know, I've been an interview before. It's like you can't say everything you want to say on an interview. So we can leave some room for, for doubt here if you want to give them the benefit. But it's clear here. He's saying that, hey, you should be giving people we need to be preaching, hey, give, because this shows up this displays your submission to God. Now, what is that gonna look like when it comes down to his ministry? What is it gonna look like when people don't give as much as they used to? How would that make him feel? Will he continue with this thinking? You know, hey, they're giving, they may not be giving as much as they used to, but they're giving. How will that play out? You know? And so we'll see. And let's continue. It's about the work of God and it's about the Lord Himself. And that's about it, really. Uh, you mentioned in the video the name of a man that I wasn't that familiar with. I think his name is Willis. And you kind of you rebuked him publicly, which was a little bit of a surprise, although there's nothing wrong with that if there's a reason for the rebuke. So well, uh, why did you I, I really it? did not rebuke him publicly. I was repeating a conversation I had with him in London a few days before. We were sitting on a, kind of a trailer about to go on the platform and minister to 10,000 pastors, uh, and he was one of them. He was not ministering. I was ministering. And it was Pastor Chris Oya Kilomi's conference in London. And the subject came up somehow. I don't even remember how it came up, but it came up. Because he shares a testimony how he gave a thousand and the Lord did something for his son. And I had to tell him, you know, I don't want to hear it. And I told him how I felt. And he received it. He received it when I told him. And the only reason I mentioned his name, I should have said, I should have said that he received the correction for what I said to him. He didn't reject it at all. And I really was not correcting him. I simply was saying to him, you know, I don't believe that anymore. And I told him that in the back. I've spoken to him since, twice, and he's fine. He understands why I did that. My children said, now, Dad, you, you should not have mentioned his name and such and such. But the fact is, is, well, but it happened. I did talk to him. And the only thing I kept out of the Monday night thing, because, you know, I just wasn't thinking about all the details, is the man received it. And my hope and prayer is others will receive it who are teaching that, that they go back to what the Bible teaches. Let's focus back on Jesus. Let's focus back on loving Jesus. Let's focus back on the gospel. Let's focus back on people's lives and needs. And let's also protect them from damage. Because when that thing doesn't happen, when someone gives and it doesn't come back, there's hurt, there's damage. It hurts the gospel. It hurts the message. It hurts the kingdom. All right, so, so, and I wonder this when he says, "Hey, let's protect the people because you know if they give and it doesn't come back, it's hurtful." So I wonder if that means is, "Hey, if I prophesy to you and tell you that you give this much, and if it doesn't come back, then hey, we're gonna we're gonna pitch in and we're gonna give you that money back and everything." Why not just stop teaching it all together? You know, why not just stop teaching it all together? Like it's not biblical. You know, so um, when and people give, they shouldn't be respect anything in return. But also people should be giving 
if they have needs at home, if they got burdens at home, they got bills that need to be paid and they're not taking care of their home and being good stewards of what they have, then they should not be given that much money to your ministry like that, period. And so you should be teaching that to your people, teaching them to be responsible, you know, taking care of their home, taking care of what they need to take care of. You know, I remember that's, I mean, I wasn't in the mega church and all that kind of stuff, but in the, the cult that I was in and the false churches I was in, teaching you, hey, to give this amount, give that amount. And, hey, you know, you sow that bill money. You know, you can't pay all that bill anyway. So if it, if it doesn't meet the need, it's a seed and all that kind of stuff like that, like causing damages in your own home. You know, people losing their houses, losing their cars and everything else because they're not being responsible. You know, basically giving the money to the church what they have already promised to their creditors and their and those and their debtors. You know, so yeah, let's just be clear about that kind of stuff. Anyway. And Steve, I want no part of that. I want to strengthen look, I told the Lord I have two requests from him before I'm gone. Number one, I want to strengthen the believers. And I want to preach the gospel and bring people to the cross. Simple. These are my two desires and requests. That people are saved, that I preach the gospel and say I'm saved. And two, that the believers be strengthened. Well, how am I going to strengthen believers if I'm teaching something that's damaging people? And now I've said, hey, no more for me. I'm hoping that the others who listen to me or want to listen to me will do the same. To say, okay, no more. We're going to bring them back to the Bible and the Lord and loving the Lord and serving the Lord, and following the Lord, and pleasing the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, and only Jesus. Simple. And how about the next generation? What, what will they think about us? How is this going to affect our children and grandchildren in the future? And those who are in ministry that are looking up to us now, how are we affecting them? The majority of young people in ministry that have gotten hold of me so far are elated, thrilled beyond words. I have so many text messages. Thank you, and I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll read them to you, but it's just so many of them are thanking me for saying what I said. They're encouraged. Well, I pray the Lord will use it. That's all. Well, I want to just tell you how much I appreciate what you've had to share and how much I admire your willingness to step up and to endure the criticism. When I watched the video, one of the things that you made clear was that you are not doing this because of your critics. No. But because of something that the Lord has kind of opened your eyes to, almost like a, you've always been very deep and always been a great teacher, in my opinion, but it's almost like there's a new depth as you spend time in the Word. And, you know, that is a message for all of us. Every believer, and certainly everyone who's in Christian leadership, needs to be spending more and more time in the Word, especially with what's going on in the world and the the demands. thank you. Yeah. Listen, I read my Bible now three times a year. I used to read it one time a year. I'm now reading it three times a year, and I began about two years ago. I literally read my English Bible three times a year, and I'm reading my Hebrew Bible at night about the same. Wow. So I'm reading God's Word daily. That's all I do. If you ask my children, you ask my daughter, anyone, my TV doesn't even come on, hardly in my house. Sometimes I'll watch an old classic when I'm eating, so I don't have to look at the wall, you know. But morning, evening, that's all I do. In fact, at 1 p.m., which is in half an hour of my time, I'm going to be back in the Word. I will be reading my precious Bible from 1 to about 2.30 today. I do it almost every day. At night, around 9.30, I go to about 11. But I do the Hebrew. And I talk to the Lord, and I thank Him, and I start crying, and play the worship music, and, you know, just, just to be... And when and that's what's affecting me. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't even know what my critics are saying. I don't even care what they say. Really, I don't. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm not trying to impress you. I don't even read what they say. I sometimes hear about it from Michael or Jessica, mostly, or my kids, you know. And I say, oh, don't worry about it, you know, whatever. It's the Lord that's moving it's if i can say it like like this it's it's about my soul 
It's not about what people think. It's my soul. When I get to heaven, I'm saying it before God Almighty to you as my friend. When I get to heaven, I want the Lord to look at me and smile. That's all I care about. And believe me, I've enjoyed him enough in the past. I've grieved him enough in the past. I've disappointed him enough in the past. And I've said to him many times lately, especially, Lord, I don't want to hurt you anymore. I do not want to grieve you anymore. I do, I do not want to disappoint you anymore. I've done enough of that. And the prosperity message, sadly, I believe is grieving him in the way it's being presented in some circles. And I want to emphasize some circles. That I pray will heal my heart, that's all. Maybe God will deal with them too. But we should not forsake the message. It's in the Bible. We, we need to preach it just like it is. Amen. And that's a good way to wrap up this podcast. And I'm gonna... So basically we hear here, the message is still good. It's just not being presented the right way by some circles and some people. And we're not, he doesn't give specifics on what people he's speaking about or any of that. But hey, the message is in the Bible. We can't forsake the prosperity message. You know, we shouldn't forsake it. You know, and so there's not a, that's not a repentance of the prosperity gospel. It's just that he basically doesn't want to be as extreme as the next person. And the examples that he gave is that asking for a great sum of money and promising people would get this and get that for giving the money, you know. And so, y'all, we have to be careful with stuff like that. Um, I'm also concerned with the fact that he doesn't listen to any of his critics. Like, he doesn't listen to any criticism. Um, even I'm, I'm even concerned with him not even taking in the criticism that's coming from his nephew. And Kasi Hen is a believer, you know, knows the scriptures. And so even to, just to hear what his nephew is saying and to take into an account of what he's saying and just gauge with the scriptures, you know, just apply with the scriptures and see if what he's saying fix. Like, it's as if Benny Hen is basically saying, hey, I'm not accountable to anybody. And that's scary, y'all. That's scary. Like, I, he's not being accountable to anyone. You know, he's not listening to anyone. He's basically just upon him own upon himself. I'm about to say upon him own self. <laughs> that won't make sense. <laughs> but just upon himself. He's he so he says he's spending time with the Lord. He said he's reading, he's praying, he's listening to worship music, he's crying and everything else, but he's not being accountable to anyone. And the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that we are not an island. We're not an island. Iron sharpens iron. All right. So if if you're avoiding criticism from people, I can I can see I can see people who are being hateful and hurtful towards you and stuff like that, and not being loving, you know, because we're supposed to be loving even our criticism of people who are doing something wrong. It's still it should still be in love. But as a teacher, not saying that that correction won't come harshly, but it should still be in a spirit of love, love for the Lord and love for your neighbor. So it should, it should still come with that spirit behind it. But you know, it's like. He doesn't want to hear any of it. He doesn't even listen to him. He said, hey, don't worry about it. You know, this, this is all going to be the Lord. Like, how do you know? How do you know? And, you know, and so um, I'm, I'm concerned with him. You know, I'm concerned with where he's going with where he's going from here. I have hope that the Lord will change his heart. It's not too late. You know, the Lord is sovereign. The Lord can save Benny, uh, Benny Hinn. Um, on his deathbed, the Lord can save him from any point from now until the time he passes, you know, so it's not too late. I'm not saying there's no hope for Benny Hinn. I'm not. I'm not saying that he is one of those that the Lord did not choose. I'm not saying any of that. I don't know. But as of now, the evidence still doesn't show that the Holy Spirit is is guiding him. He cannot be guided by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit leads you into truth. And he didn't come into truth concerning the prosperity message. He just came into the point of realizing that, hey, these things don't work. An unbeliever can see that this stuff don't work. An unbeliever can see that you give a thousand dollars and they promise you that you're going to get this in return. And it doesn't happen. An unbeliever can see that. 
You know, it doesn't take a spiritual minded person to notice that, you know, and so it's like, hey, I'm praying that Benny Hinn would repent of his sins and put his trust in Christ because everything he's saying about loving Jesus and loving the gospel and loving this, but not one time he's mentioned sin, not one time he mentioned that it was sinful to teach that way. You know, he said it's grieving the Holy Spirit. Believers, we grieve the Holy Spirit and how we we don't listen and how we do things wrong and stuff like that. But it's sin. We call it what it is. It, it's sin. You know, and we need to repent and turn from it, you know. And so um, it doesn't seem to me that he's repented of his sin of preaching a false gospel, of teaching false doctrines or any of those things. And if uh, people have, uh, if he said, like he mentioned, he damaged people by his teaching, well, then he should make restitution. And I hope he does those things in the near future. I really does. You know, but that doesn't mean that he's in good standing with the Lord. And we need to be clear about that. We need to be clear about that. Um, and so now I'm, once again, I'm say once again, I do pray that he does repent and um, get and be right with before the Lord, you know, but that's by God's sovereignty, you know, um, causing him to repent and to trust in him and giving him the Holy Spirit, the true Holy Spirit of promise um, that would um, keep him into the day of Jesus Christ. So with that being said, I pray and hope that this has been helpful to those who are listening. Um, if you listen to this and if you are um, and a fan of Benny Hinn, an advocate for him, I pray that you didn't hear hate in my voice as while we're doing this review or anything like that. That's not my intention. Um, but I do want to be straightforward and be clear about the things that I say and what I hold to and believe. And so um, with that being said, remember, this world is full of errors. But the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth blessings can you answer the following questions for your children or for the person to whom you are witnessing number one is the new testament reliable two can you explain the trinity to me three how is jesus both god and man and a slew of other questions you will be able to answer if you get andrew rapaport's new book what do we believe it will help you a ton get your copy at what do we believe book.com what do we believe book.com What's up, everyone? This is James Watkins, host of the Five Solas Podcast and founder of Five Solas Ministries. Be sure to check out our podcast that releases every Thursday on your favorite podcasting app as we discuss Christian doctrine and dive into the Reformed theological distinctives and their continued relevance for the church and world today. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. Join us each episode as we discuss the truths of these foundational rallying cries of the Protestant Reformers and how this material helps challenge and direct the current church in its life of worship and witness. Visit us online at www.5solasministries.com. That's www.5solasministries.com to learn more information about the ministry and to also check out our awesome Five Solas lineup of t-shirts and gospel tracks. And as always, may all that you do be done to the glory of God. Soli, Deo, Gloria.